Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast, where three brothers from three different generations talk about their one shared passion, music. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here today with my two brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis. And today, we're bringing back the March Madness Bracket Challenge. This year, just for the hell of it, we are doing the worst song ever. Let that soak in. You can now listen to episodes on the BrotherPod app, which also gives you access to additional new music, music news, clips, and content we curate for each episode. You can also interact with us directly through the TalkBack feature, ask us questions, make suggestions, and voice your own opinions. Just search BrotherPod in the App Store to download on your mobile devices. As always, you can learn more about the pod at BrotherPod.com, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's always extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Now... Let's talk about the worst songs of all time and count them out. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis. I'm here with my two brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis. And today we are revisiting one of our favorite times of year, uh, March Madness. And we are doing the Brother, Brother, Brother Bracket Challenge. This year we're doing a little differently um, given the uh, um, attention span and patience are, uh, that we're very grateful for in our listeners. But uh, Ordinarily, we've been um, announcing a competition. Uh, the first year was the greatest band in America, our greatest American band. Uh, second year was uh, best album of the millennium so far. And this year, whew, it's the worst song of all time. And um, as a musicologist, scientist, uh, mathematician, uh, opinionist, uh, I think we are... Uh, sort of um, uniquely situated in the world to uh, make this decision, but it is, uh, we've done the calculating, or uh, at least we've done it to the best of our ability, and we've got the matchups, and um, as I said, this year we're going to be a little different. We're going to do the round of 64 and the round of 32 offline and bring you the Sweet 16, the Elite 8, and the Final Four as podcasts. But I can't say that I'm doing this, uh, looking at this bracket of 64 shitty songs. I can't say I'm happy that we're not uh, recording the first two <laughs> rounds because it's already tough. It's lining up tough. I mean, uh, I'm going to toss it to you guys, but I mean, there's some, there's some first round matchups that are going to break my heart. Yeah, before we That's right. jump in, though, real Today, quick, when let's also let our listeners know that they absolutely will be able to uh, make their own picks in the early absolutely. round as well, first round. So um, we're not leaving the, the, the dumpster fire, you know, fun just for ourselves. We're actually allowing you to also pick. Yeah, so please come to brotherpod.com and uh, get your bracket and fill it out. As always, there will be uh, delicious prizes, um, unlike previous years we will not be giving away a vinyl copy of the champion for this one we will spare you that agony but christian you know uh, walk us through some of uh, some of the early round uh favorites that you are are gonna break your little heart Tiny sure little so heart. 
Um, to uh, to kick this off, I think we should um, you know we should go through each of the matchups at least um, just uh, just get the listeners familiar with um, the uh, the entrance. Uh, yeah, exactly, and um, you know what the what the landscape looks like this year. Um, so starting out uh, in the East region, um, we have our number one seed. Uh, Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire against the number 16 seed, one of my truly all-time hated songs, um, R.E.M.'s It's the End of the World. Um, what do you guys make of this matchup? I mean, you've got to think, uh, you know, Billy Joel um, could have pretty much his entire catalog yeah. of this thing, so, uh, so it's important and that then, he has a representative. To your your uh, viewpoint, R.E.M. probably could too, right? So... It's a, uh... I think this is actually their worst offense. I'll be honest. <laughs> I have, I have just. It's there's something about like, um, like the only way I could describe it is like Celtic rap. Uh, it's like it just it's By so fucking lame. <laughs> well, as I yeah, said, with exactly. one week, this is what would have happened if white people invented rap. Yeah. Yes, and, exactly. Uh, the, it would it would have a lot more in common with uh, with like, you know, 15th century poetry and you know John Donne than it would. Uh, uh, well, it's almost this is then, this is actually a, a, a rap battle because Billy Joel also takes his. It's <laughs> true. Um, well, the other yeah, I mean obviously the ironic skills to we didn't start the fire and giving us a uh, a world history. Yeah. With a the ironic thing, we didn't start the fire, but we'll drop it like it's hot. Was actually the uh, original title of the song. But I, I would like to uh, weigh in on the Billy Joel front, and I'm sure I will uh, be talking more about Billy Joel as as he advances through the tournament as a number one seed, but. Um, you know, this kind of, you know, there's a whole list of war crimes that Billy Joel is responsible for musically. And um, I think this was the pinnacle. Again, in this particular competition, we only allowed one song per artist. So um, this was the qualifier um, from Camp Billy. Um, but the funny thing about this matchup is that it actually pits We Didn't Start the Fire against the song that it was so blatantly ripping off, which was It's the End of the World <laughs> as We Know It and I Feel Fine. Um, it is Billy Joel's sort of, it's the very tail end of his uh, really remarkably long uh, <laughs> skid <laughs> mark. And um, he... Uh, you know, he, he. I think he's. You know, he finds himself losing relevance. This is, I believe, 1990, losing relevance, losing his grip on the public, and he hears the end of the world by uh, REM, and he's like, two can play at that game." And uh, basically, this is a, a last gasp at staying relevant, which uh, ironically just, <laughs> just proved his <laughs> proved the negative uh, that he just was no dead. longer relevant, and that most of the references in this are, are some like 50s bullshit beginning of television uh, <laughs> Cold War stuff that just, I mean the fact that R.E.M. you know uh, name checks Leonid Brezhnev and then Billy Joel starts talking about you know, nuclear war, it's it's it, it just like, if you're gonna rip some I mean, and, and for my own personal history if you're gonna rip somebody off, at least change the names <laughs> Yes Um and uh, I think that was that was well said. So tragically, REM is is likely to exit the bracket here uh, before before the round of thirty two. Um, but uh, but we'll be able to confirm that next week. Um, in the next slot, we've got Delamitri's "Roll to Me" and "Live Lightning Crashes." Now, the funny part about these two songs is that I think um, there's a very good chance that many of our listeners actually will have heard these songs uh, two, three, four million times. 
um, in the car with their parents as children uh, and actually not have been able to, to tell you what band um, made them. That was certainly the case for me. I had never heard of, <laughs> Those of us the name Delamitri. having to hear lightning crashes know exactly who that band was, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it was like, still playing, uh, still playing well into the two thousands. Yeah. So, I think yes, like, thank I you. Think, I think like a lot of the songs that made this list, there is an inextricable link between the visual uh, or the video and the song. And I, Jared can attest even more than I can. I believe I was in college when Lightning Crashes came out, or maybe just mm-hmm. out of college. Uh, but it was, it was on. Oh, it was high repeat. drama. Yeah, it was on repeat on MTV though. It just wouldn't fucking go away. No, it still hadn't gone away ten years later. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to tell you. Um, And this is a, I think these these are perfectly emblematic um, songs of another phenomenon that I think we'll see recur um, throughout the uh, throughout the tournament, which is that um, songs that have a sort of uh, well. I think what music executives at Clear Channel might call, um, I'm sorry, now we're going to get sued, uh, what they might call a sort of crossover appeal, um, which in point of fact is the lowest common denominator um, <laughs> of musical ability, uh, but it means that it's able to be played on, and you know, I'll use my local radio stations from around D.C., but Mix 107.3, um, Hot Z104, uh, HFS 991, and the fact that it's literally on every single station means that you simply can't escape it. Um, and you know, it's just this. But the but but can we just the melancholic build of lightning crashes is just like it's it's, it's going to be it's going to be crashing into future rounds. I foresee that future. But, unfortunately, <laughs> but, I, God, I hate, but roll to me. Like we have to take a moment to reflect on this because well, it may not be here. Here's for a my roll to me, and this is another reoccurring theme: is that it's a song that I had no idea who the fuck sang it, and uh, now that I do, I'm um, very pleased and angry. But uh, it's also a song that I can like <laughs> the minute I saw it on our master list, which we made to kind of whittle this down. I knew like this the whole tune popped into my head. I don't necessarily know every lyric, but I absolutely know the beginning and, and how it goes. And, and, and that's the other curse of a shitty song that is a radio hit, is that it's actually it's catchy. <laughs> or it actually like sticks in your brain, yeah. which is painful. Oh, oh, and Lady yes. Crashes, on the other hand, is just pure drama crap to me. It just but, Yeah, um, melodrama. Not that I don't know the tune to that one either, but the role with me is even a, a worse kind of uh, yeah, ear snake. Ear where it comes in and just like... Ugh, sticks with you. It's so, like a, I think I think we need a new term for that, and I think that term is ear infection. Worm, worm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, th- that, I do think it's funny because I think it's a contrast in styles. I think Delamitri's is a pop, like that melody just sticks in your brain. And Lightning Crashes is one of those songs, and I'll say this uh, numerous times over the next couple weeks. Uh, but Lightning Crashes is one of those songs where I just don't even hear a song in this song. Right. There isn't one. Yeah. It's uh, it's it, like it might as well be a poem. It kind of but, is. Yeah, <laughs> I it's a mean, bad one. Um, we all wrote poetry in eighth grade. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Oh boy. Um, yeah, exactly. We all wrote poetry in eighth grade, but not all of us had record deals with Capitol. <laughs> so, um, uh, anyway, moving on to the uh, five twelve seed, and for you basketball fans out there, you know that this is always. A contentious matchup, um, but in this case, I'm not sure it will be. Uh, we have the number five seed, Eric Clapton's Tears in Heaven, and uh, the number 12 seed, Plain White T's Hey There, Delilah. 
These songs both suck. What do you guys think? <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I fear the, Jeremy, I fear I noticed the ghost that of Connor Clapton, and uh, I don't think I believe, that, Jeremy, you had on your personal list, um, and, and just as a background refresher to everyone out there, <laughs> yeah, we, we each uh, created our own master list, and then, of course, compiled them, and, and um, uh, basically took the, the highest point values um, awarded uh, to the most hated songs, you know, collectively, and then, and then seeded the, the tournament. Um, I believe Plain White Tees was, was highest on your list, Jeremy. Is that right? I, I don't know that it was. I think Damien might have had it. Yeah. But I, 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 do, I do hate it, and I'm, I'm absolutely happy that <laughs> well, it's if you're prepared. Favorite, so. <laughs> Although yeah, it is uh, but, but to see it, but going up against uh, Slow Hands' power ballad to his um, deceased son, so who knows? Oh, Lefty? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, um, I think we can. I think we can move to the next uh, matchup, <laughs> uh, which is oh Jesus! Um, for for anyone born in the late '80s or early '90s, um, you will you will just cringe. But it is Rob Thomas and Carlos Santana's "Smooth" uh, against number thirteen seed Aqua's "Barbie Girl." Yeah. Jesus the, Christ! The so dance song of the uh, yeah. yeah. So, I, I, I got the joke, I just didn't think it was funny, um, and, and I think that that's really, uh, I, I think that Barbie Girl is just like the worst yes. kind of sort of Scandinavian um, humor, but it also strikes me that it was, it was a, like, I, I, I not only, okay, <laughs> sorry, I'm literally, I'm, I'm speechless with, with how, uh, how upsetting I find this. Um, this matchup because both could could go so so deep in the tournament um, independently, uh, but I think in the case of Barbie Girl, it actually feels derivative of something that already sucked. Um, it was a sort of second, uh, or like you know, a copycat version of um, of a of an already bad thing, which you know, depending on your on your takes us back um, to Billy Joel's. We didn't start the fire. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like um, you know this was uh, a sort of steal my sunshine, which by the way is a great song, um, but it was sort of like that aesthetic, uh, but you know sort of refracted through um, the the prism of of like uh, you know Spice Girls and Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah, I kind of felt yeah, like I would it was. Say they managed uh, to make what it was deliberately a fun annoying. Song, unfun, and uh, all we need to say about the other is Rob Thomas. Yeah, both. Well, Rob, yeah, but Carlos Santana, like Eric Clapton, to me, I mean, as you know, as accomplished and proficient a musician as he is, I, I hate his guitar playing, um, and you know, I, I think part of this probably stems from a pretty deep-seated loathing of anything that was like classified as world music when I was a child. Um, but like, uh, you know, I, I just, I find that, I find that the most annoying guitar hook ever written. Oh yeah. He's a master. He's a master. He's the master of the mid dump face though. <laughs> um, so Carlos Santana, master of the mid dump face. <laughs> um, we squeeze, he squeezed uh, out a hit with smooth. <laughs> Um, and Rob Thomas, like, I, let me just, I, I want to know, like, I want to be a fly on the wall in the meeting when they're like, so we have this great guitar lick from Carlos. 
Who should we get to sing this song? Oh, I know a ghoul. How the fuck Florida. do you arrive at Rob <laughs> Thomas? <laughs> of all the people out there, literally, the, the, the entire world, you could pick anyone. You could pick the chick from, Barb, uh, from Barbie Girl um, in Aqua. Like, you could literally have anybody you want. Um, and, and, yet, and yet you think, I want the guy who sings, it's 3 a.m., it's cold outside. Um, I, the, the other, uh, like, you know, problem I have, and, and thankfully, Aqua Barbie Girl has sort of, you know, receded, I think, a little bit um, into the, uh, into history, but, but um, I think, you know, Smooth is still played regularly um, at, at bars I'm in, or restaurants, or, you know, uh, shopping malls or something. It's like it just you hear it constantly. It's, it's one of the most the, over. It's one of the most played songs in radio history, for yeah. the exact reason you pointed out before, which is that it it satisfied about seven different formats, including international. So, yeah. um, you know, and and I, I assume like hauled in twenty five Grammys in the process. It absolutely um, did. Uh, Almost so as many as Tears in Heaven. <laughs> Um, moving on to number six, John Mayer's Your Body is a Wonderland, uh, and the 11 seed Imagine Dragons Thunder. Wyndham, I know Imagine Dragons is one of your favorite bands, um, so tell me how you feel about, uh, this entrance into the, this, this entry into the tournament. Well, there's a, there's a certain way that I have to, to cope with, with, you know, absolute shitty songs sometimes, which is making up my own lyrics, to them and uh, John Mayer's always let always that your body is a wonderland has always lent itself very well to that little trick. Yes, um, <laughs> yes, it does. Which uh, has lent itself to such you know inter- in you know in internal hits from me as your bottoms and your underpants, <laughs> and, uh, you know among others. But it's your body is a wonderland is such like a teed up like gift it, it just, of a, it, of a bad song. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it, it, I mean, just the title before you, if you could never yeah. make a good song with that title. <clears throat> and Imagine Dragons, I just, I hate because I feel like uh, every song they've ever written was written by uh, a focus group. Um, yeah. And, and you know, <laughs> they the just... They're, put Rob Thomas and Santana together, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Those <laughs> jerks. That's why they have huge so, hits. Ah. So anyway, that's, you know, John Mayer, Imagine Dragons. You deserve each other like John Mayer and the dead. (laughs) Yes. Um, Well, I'm sure that when Imagine Dragons uh, hit the reunion circuit, um, which uh, I feel feel will happen in in no time, John Mayer will will, will be available. We'll fill in for their Um, dead mandolin player. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. Uh, Number three. Ooh, a heavy hitter here, um, and actually uh, one of our favorite bands, um, Metallica's "Nothing Else Matters," a real steamer uh, against number fourteen, Cisco's "Thong Song." Thong Song is just fucking annoying. Yeah, I like um, it. I mean, yeah. really. Um, I mean, yeah, I like I, it in uh, the sense that I like a number of songs actual, that are so actual. absurd. <laughs> you know, I thought the song "Thong Song" would occupy the same space as like. Uh, sir mix a lot, you know, sort of <laughs> an actual thong. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a fun. It's just a dumb song. It's so dumb. It's funny, 
And um, nothing else matters, just like a funeral it's, dirge that was on MTV yeah, for like seven years in a row. Nothing else matters, I believe, is 25 minutes long. <laughs> it sounds it exactly really is. the same. Well, so there's a certain formula you come to appreciate when you, uh, when you listen to a lot of Metallica. Um, you know, that there is often um, a slower start or a sort of mid-tempo start, mid-tempo by their standards, um, followed by uh, a, a sort of bridge followed by like a lightning you know sort of outbreak of of fast guitar playing and and um you know double time drumming um it's usually really powerful and it does you know it does have the effect i think if you are um if you're you know sort of pumping you up right like it, it has a sort of seven minute um you know runtime and it really does you, f- you feel you know the sort of the emotional energy build in the song um this is an example of a song where, like, they apparently just forgot to to write that crucial like resolution. There's just no; it, it doesn't go anywhere. It just it's mid tempo the entire goddamn time. Um, it sucks. Yeah, I would go one further. They they completely moved away from the amphetamine rush you just described into this monotonous mud pile that became the rest of their career. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. Ooh, uh, here's a good one. Um, number seven, Counting Crows, Mr. Jones. Um, I hate that song. <laughs> and number ten's uh, Fergie's Fergalicious. I think this when is going to be... Um, you've often been described as Fergalicious. Why don't you tell us about <laughs> yeah, this matchup? I am. Uh, it's, it, it's a weird one for me because I, you know, I... I I'm not a Counting Crows fan by any means, but I it's one it's going to be one of several times you probably have during in college, right? Yeah, during this competition <laughs> where I say that you know I I there's like four other Counting Crows songs I hate worse, and um, but I, I will the, take this I will take the la 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 la. I mean, I get, like, trust me, it's it's a. It doesn't real, just like that doesn't just make you grind your teeth. It's like. gradations of bad, but it you know it doesn't. Uh, one, but uh, the, I, think I just want to take this. Uh, you know, opportunity to remind the world that there was a period in time when the Counting Crows, Adam Duritz, and I urge you to take a look at a picture of Adam Duritz, was pulling like every fucking actress in Hollywood. It was nuts. Yeah, I remember. This is also an album that haunted my entire like high school and uh, I mean, it's a record that I hate and that I know every song of. Which is yeah. that sad, you know, sad state of affairs back then. But but I think Mr. Jones perfectly epitomizes all of their poop songs into one one yeah. perfect pile. Fergalicious uh, is really. It's also it's also important to and to it hasn't gone away. To mention that no, it really hasn't. Um, to mention that I think one one of the most grating features of a song, in, in my opinion, is um, uh, first of all, like vocal affect. Like, um, so having some kind of like fraudulent non-accent, um, that you deliver your, your songs in is like really like annoying as hell to me. So I would encourage you to consider a a future entry, which I can loop back to later, but, but a song like, uh, you know, where, where the first thing you hear is the, uh, is the vocalist and the vocalist is phrasing something in a way that just no human would ever phrase it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the sha-la-la-la is like, is a perfect example of that. Or, I always say it's been 
like the opening of one week is like a great example as well. It just it's like the that, chorus it, it, of the reason uh, why Hoobastank is too. Nobody yes. says yo. The reason is yo. Or uh, the beginning of Photograph by Nickelback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are all uh, these are all great examples. And it just it's like that piercing sound that it just <laughs> sticks. Of those oh, three lightning, Canadian, lightning way, crashes by the way. <laughs> Lucky oh, so for maybe, us, they're all here. Yeah. Maybe that's just what Canadian accents sound like. Is that what you're telling me? Could be. Um, uh, thing, well, in any one, event, the one thing in Fergie's favor here, one is that you misspelled the the title of the song on the list as Feralicious, which would actually be a great song. Um, <laughs> yes. But uh, Fergalicious is, I mean, Fergie did give us one gift, which is that we could separate her from the Black Eyed Peas and include both on this list. Yes. Thank you, Fergie. That really was was the flaming bag of dog shit on our doorstep. (laughs) Um, So, uh, and then last in the East region, we have um, Hits Ben, number two, (laughs) Bare Naked Ladies, One Week. Um, and Tal Bachman's She's So High. Tal Bachman I being, mean, um, <laughs> so being the son of, of uh, uh, Bachman, Randy Bachman from Bachman Turner Overdrive. Oh, that explains it. Is this a full-on Canadian <laughs> matchup then, right? Yeah, it's a Canadian-on-Canadian Canadian <laughs> matchup. Nice. It's like we're, a face-off. We're shake hands <laughs> and both agree to tie and go home. <laughs> yeah. So... One week, I mean, uh, look, it's going deep in this tournament. <laughs> there's really, there's gives no. Gives me a goosebump, like the chill. It can win like the... it, it makes every part of my body like just hey. cringe. I'm just, I'm so embarrassed for the world that the song. It makes me, it makes me feralicious. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, uh, yeah, it it really is. I mean, this haunts me from my youth. Um, I know every word to this song. The forwards and backwards. And if it wins, you um, have to sing it. Uh, on the pod. That's the gift. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the gauntlet is thrown. But but let's take a moment. To, there will be plenty of opportunities, I suspect, uh, to to talk about this song. Um, but uh, but I think you know, Tal Bachman um, presumably only got a record deal because Deb was famous. Otherwise, I can't imagine why anybody would have taken a shot on this. Yeah, that sounds about yeah, right. I think that, but, but again, that's that's about as lasting an impression as that song made on me. Uh, I think we'll, you know, it's like we'll, you know, it 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 came and went, and it hasn't really haunted me since. Um, but it's it's the, a it's another one of these songs that that also has one single lyric. Like I don't think that there are two sentences in the entire song. It really is, and it's like the chorus is one line repeated over and over and stretched out for all eternity. Um, with a stupid falsetto to boot. So, um, and then bare, it's a, it, go ahead. I'm sorry. Bare Naked Ladies is another band where I'm gonna, you know, just say that the entire the of their catalog okay. is worthy of being on here. Definitely. Yeah, there was that's probably true. I can't say that I've actually that listened to their entire list. catalog. Uh, yes, the other um, the the other entry that was knocked off, I believe, was if I had a million dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was only because uh, which, the old Which apartment. was then covered as If I Was a Rich Girl by Gwen Stefani. Um. Anyway, which was to, that the, to, that was to the tune of Fiddler on the Roof. Um, let's see. Uh, moving down into the... You want to take a quick break and come back? Yeah, let's do yes, that. Yes, I do. Okay, let's take a quick break and come back and do the others. Hiya, Bobby. 
Welcome back. We're sort of uh, detailing our um, our first rounders, which we're we're not going to pick live on air. We're going to uh, bless you with the Sweet Sixteen, and our listeners get to pick themselves. But we're just kind of dealing, talking about some some of the early matchups. Um, a because it's fun to talk about, and uh, you know, B because it was really hard to come up with this list of, of crap, or really easy and just hard to, to scale it down. I should say. So, um, Let me just uh, take a take a brief moment there to, to point out. I don't think our listeners fully appreciate exactly how much shitty music I've had to listen to in the last <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> um, making this list was excruciatingly painful, um, and uh, and the one thing that we promised one another uh, and and stuck to it was um, that if we, you know, in addition to whatever songs that we pick and put on this. Um, we uh, we would listen to any number you know any one of the songs that we hadn't heard or weren't too familiar with, um, uh, you know more than once to sort of get in the get in the groove and really learn to, to hate it as much as um, uh, as much as everyone else does. And so, yeah, it wasn't hard. Um, it was I've been mining mining the bowels of seventies AM rock radio um, for the last yeah, uh, and, four and years. and me nineties uh, or late nineties early two thousands <laughs> new metal. Yeah, uh, reacquainting have, myself with that godforsaken genre. We have an interesting, uh, you know, crossover in the sense that uh, you know, late seventies, early eighties, Wyndham and I crossover, and then nineties, two thousands, Christian and I certainly crossover. So it's been fun. Um, some of the highlights for the West region are going to be a song that just I, I've never understood and, and why it's a hit or or how it is so popular. And uh, Put on your rightfully blue so, the, the yeah, the number one. <laughs> Seed is Mark Cohen's Walking in Memphis. And then uh, number 16, a song that, um, you know, I probably whistled along to in elementary school and, and Wyndham hated on in high school, Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy. Yeah, I'm going to take that as my jumping off point to say that if uh, Bobby McFerrin were here right now, I would have no uh, qualms whatsoever punching him in the fucking face. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, that I just wanted to set this table for you because I don't know if either of you really remember this well enough. This was an acapella song, um, I remember. and it was Go a it. <laughs> it was a number one hit, and it was ubiquitous <laughs> the year it came out. Not only that, but it had a video starring Robin Williams. I was gonna say Robin Williams, yep. Just freeform dancing in a so classic silly. Robin Williams outfit. And being wacky, God, uh, it was it it the whole package just hurt hurt so badly, and yeah. um, it again it's one of the there's a lot of these songs and we've been talking a fair amount about it. There's a lot of these songs that for which I have lost my vitriol and sort of embraced as being nostalgic <laughs> and dumb and funny. <laughs> this isn't one. Um, this is one I still every ounce of bile uh, from whatever organ produces bile. I think it's a gallbladder um, is still alive and well when it comes to this song. So uh, I don't know that it would be given its its powerhouse matchup against Mark Cohn's Walking in Memphis. I'm not sure Bobby McFerrin's going to make the cut, 
But I just wanted to say a special goodbye, you motherfucker. <laughs> Quinn's whistling, uh, don't worry, be happy, as uh, Bobby McFerrin may exit. Um, so our next as he, uh, matchup sails off into the sunset. is yeah. one of the silliest songs ever, <laughs> when uh, the powerhouse uh, band Styx went um, full-on... Uh, futuristic. Sticks could have like ten songs. Exactly. Future, futuristic stage. Could, uh, you know, uh, robot music, Mister Roboto. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, yeah, one of my least favorite bands. I know Christian's least favorite bands. Um, you know, the sort of faux punk band Offspring. Another man with white dreadlocks, I believe, or, or white braids. I can't remember. Uh, Actually, just bleached, um, no, 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 bleached spiked hair. Oh, right, uh, okay. Which he still has, you'll be pleased to know, at the oh, yeah, tender yeah, age of 55. No, the, car, the guitarist had cornrows. There were some cornrows, I remember, because they were, they were videos. So pretty fly for a white guy. But yeah, that was what I was going to, that was the only thing I wanted to mention for The Offspring, is that, um, well, it's basically that these guys were writing these songs that were sophomoric, like high school uh, disses on like yeah and they were like 50 years old <laughs> and that's so embarrassing and so then embarrassing. people would always counter with oh yeah well that guy's got a he's he's a uh, he's got a master's in molecular biology and he's going for his PhD much the same as the bad religion guy who was getting his PhD but let me tell you one was in molecular biology the other was in math they should have stayed the fuck away from words <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I think that's absolutely right. Um, yeah, there was something like, uh, it's like the worst possible scenario when your um, when your dad's like garage blues band um, decides to become a SoCal punk band, <laughs> and that's uh, that's exactly what the Offspring feel like. Um, but you know, I, it's it's honestly this is kind of a toss up. I'm not sure uh, who's going to be moving on from this, um, but uh, but I will say. Uh, Mr. Roboto is one of the stupidest songs I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. Um, I am not sure. I don't think I'd heard it uh, until until I was preparing for for this tournament, oh, which is wow. really uh, a sort of a blessing, um, yeah. I, I think. But it but like I want you to consider how bad something must be for it to get as high on my list as it did after. I mean, just after the first listen, I was like, "Is this a fucking joke?" And yeah. and the answer was no. No. <laughs> No, there's nothing funny but, about sticks except sticks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. They but they took themselves seriously. Oh yeah. It's amazing. Anyway. So the, the um, next one is like for me being trapped in a burning house with absolutely no exit <laughs> <laughs> and falls right into my my hell zone of Hootie and the Blowfish, let her cry. And and I actually think like their entire <laughs> album could go on this one as well. That was just a, a bad, bad time in uh, in music. And then uh, this song that I just, again, I think, Wyndham, you mentioned it earlier, and I just do not understand. There's no song in this song. And it was played <laughs> all the time. And this was like an MTV, like every other tune, huge hit. And it was Queensryche, Silent Lucidity. And I don't know, Christian, if this one ever really affected you as much as it affected Wyn and I. Never did. I mean, it is so mind-boggling. You have no idea. Like, if you could think about the most popular song of your time, and uh, it was the, this was, like, the most popular song for, like, two years. Yeah, I, I can, actually, because it was Let Her Cry by Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> no, you know what, though? Um, I, would, I would compare like this to four in, terms of my of friends its, are... in terms of its popularity in plays. Um, uh, doesn't Even Matter by Linkin Park. That's how frequently this was played. Yeah, okay, so... In the end, or whatever that song's called. Oh, it's painful. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to, like, try and uh, just 
die of uh, smoke inhalation now and then move <laughs> on to... Uh, Sticking got, with the fire metaphor. <laughs> yeah, rednecks, cotton eye Joe, and uh, everyone's favorite buffalo uh, trio or, or, you know, whatever the hell they are, Goo Goo Dolls, Iris, which was a movie song, I believe. Was Iris like a song from a movie or was it an album song? I hate it either Both. way. Okay. And uh, I think, I believe it was, a, I don't know if they're considered a trio or, or a duo with an imp, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was the, yeah, it was it was the it was, it was the first single off, um, one of their albums, but it was also included in the soundtrack for City of Angels. That's right. Uh, yeah. You remember that? The you remake. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. I I don't. I mean, I, I so vividly remember, um, Iris as as just a, a TRL. Like a daily, uh, uh, you know, obsession of, of American commercial radios, um, but also, uh, you know, it was also just played on MTV forever, and it's just it's that it's it's, it's the that worst kind away. of sappy, shitty ballad um, that like is just is sort of this hyper emotional direct but like doesn't say anything there's no story it's just it's like cliche line after cliche line after cliche line um you know and and like no fucking wonder this guy doesn't have a girlfriend um it's so you know and nothing's I, I better just, I, than the bass player of the Goo Dolls being uh, stylized in any video um and also yes. goes under a genre of a band that I would say people probably would say the early stuff was pretty decent. I'm not necessarily one of them, but there are people that, that do talk about that that completely flip the switch to, to go huge and write crappy music. Yeah, yeah I, I think the other, um, not just a sort of more technical point, since I'm not sure, I really don't know whether this is going to survive or not uh, up against uh, Cotton Eye Joe, um, but it, it's, a, it's a uniquely annoying song um, to me because the time signature changes uh, a couple times in Iris um, from like 4-4 four, four to like 6-8 or something. Um, and it's, it just it has this like really, like it just knocks you on your heels. So like even if you were trying to pleasantly ignore this song um, and get on with your life, you can't. It won't let you. It just grabs you by the fucking neck and just shakes you. Um, until you uh, until you die. Right. Well, that's two asphyxiation stories in, in <laughs> the last two matchups. So coming, moving ahead, coming up for air. <laughs> yes, um, we have. Uh, but number six, Nickelback's "Rockstar" against. Oh boy, uh, really one Africa. of the worst songs ever made. USA for Africa, yeah, everybody's favorite band. <laughs> Yeah, when is uh, the Rearly Novel coming out? I actually had to play We Are the World on, in piano when I was taking piano lessons as a young lad. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can I put that version on here? <laughs> the good. only thing I could possibly imagine uh, worse than the actual... So, like, uh, look, we, amazingly, we didn't have too many um, sort of superstar, uh, uh, like... You like, know, that's what uh, Friends Are For didn't make the cut, basically. Yeah, exactly. Like these sort of superstar studded, um, like invented charity. bands or whatever. Uh, yeah, charity bands. Um, but like, I mean, this is just—it's so shockingly shitty. Like, who actually wrote the song? Do we know? Um, yes, Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson, I believe. Okay. Well, I will never forgive the living one of them. 
um, for for that. That's really that's that's a horrible um, like black mark on their record. Uh, so I, you know, I, this is it's it's also particularly difficult, of course, because um, it's you know we've got this this terrible matchup between Nickelback, uh, Canada's favorite country band. Um, and uh, USA for Africa, and then next on the bracket we've got Aerosmith. Don't want to miss a thing, and Verve Pipe, which I don't know. I, in my in my view, it's already shaping up for a uh, um, for an Aerosmith USA for Africa showdown over <laughs> two of my least favorite songs ever. In fact, they might have been one and two on my list. Yeah, I mean it's hard to it's hard to imagine it, it that uh, USA for Africa. You know, I have the context of having lived through it and having it have been a an actual well meaning and effective uh, fundraiser for uh, starving kids. And um, you just know it as a song, which is it's just got to be so funny out of it's context because so it's a fucking horrible song. It is. I mean. A few things have made me want to say "Let them starve" more than uh, than listening to that song. So, um, if there, like, surely there's got to be another way, a way that doesn't inflict equal trauma on um, on on its listeners. Uh, but Aerosmith, really, guys, like this band, really fucked up. Um, and uh, you know, I think soundtracking uh, your daughter's sex scene is one of the creepiest things you can probably do <laughs> as a parent. Um, but uh, but to do it with such a bad song is really a, a special talent. Well, what, again, yeah, I mean, he at least much... could have done it with cherry pie, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> our next up, which is Warren, cherry pie, and Creed with arms wide open, and, and you know, kind of basically, this is a great like um, it's sort of like evolution of man, right? Like you have the '80s hair metal <laughs> shit, completely sexualized cherry pie into the uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of stealth, uh, sexualized, um, you know, rapiness of Creed with open <laughs> arms that came in the 90s and became the new Raped by the Holy Spirit, Jeremy. Exactly. Um, I think the, uh, the important thing to remember here is that, um, you know, not only was Creed a shitty band, they were a shitty Christian band. That is true. Thank you, God. And, um, <laughs> lastly... Speaking of uh, shitty bands, and uh, one a name that just God, I hate this name, band name, and there's a lot of bad bands. Both bands band names, band. actually. Yes. Maybe yeah. uh, Forty's not a bad. Not name. the worst. Yeah, the name, the song sucks, but the name's not the worst. Hoobastank, though, for Christ's sakes. I mean, <laughs> good lord, how did anybody like at a record company not be like, uh, you guys got something, but let's change the name, you know? It's uh, yeah. the reason, which is painful, and then the, you know, hearing the reason, there absolutely is nothing, and uh, and then UB Forty's awful cover, reggae out Neil Diamond song, Red Red Wine. Yeah, I I would just pile onto the Hoobastank by saying that uh, if there were, if we were deciding the worst band name of all time, it's got to be, it's got to be the number one. Yeah, I I I, I agree. I think they. Uh, Hootie and the Blowfish. Ooh. Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> well, we've got I mean, one, two, and look. three, all right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't, we don't, this is we're, we can litigate this another day, I think. Yeah. But uh, but uh, but yeah, we've got some serious contenders here. Um, the quick. fact that it has no earthly meaning is uh, is is definitely um, definitely a problem. Um, but we'll take another quick break and we'll come back and do the uh, back half of the bracket. Great.
song I wrote You might want to sing it note for note Don't worry Be happy In every life we have some trouble But when you worry you make it double Don't worry Be happy Don't worry, be happy now Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Today we are having a little fun with our March Madness competition and pitting the worst songs of all time against one another and hoping for violence. Um, Number one seed in the, I guess this would be the Midwest bracket, uh, the number one seed is uh, a favorite, an already a member of, of Brother, Brother, Brother's Pantheon of Hate, Jimmy Buffett's Cheeseburger in Paradise. And again, I will just preface this by saying something I will say more than once, which is that let Cheeseburger in Paradise be a stand-in for the entirety of Jimmy Buffett's catalog. I had Finn's Cheeseburger in Paradise and Margaritaville on my top 64. So um, the the hate is real. And uh, Cheeseburger in Paradise is facing off against One Republic's Counting Stars. Yeah, Counting Stars is just a real, um, uh, real bad song all around. Um, it was, uh, I believe, it may still be, it was the most watched music video on YouTube ever for uh, a couple years there. Um, and, um, of course, peaked and hung around on the charts. Uh, in fact, it may still be on the charts um, in, in the top 100. We just got uh, lost but there. Yeah, somewhere, uh, yeah. somewhere over the last six years, but it's been uh, it's been a pretty <laughs> omnipresent song, um, and just has like the, uh, you know, sort of cheap instrumentation, um, like talentless musicianship. Uh, it's just crap. It's just total pop crap, um, and the lyrics are awful. So there you go. Um, they just don't really make any sense, and you're not really sure whether it's intended to be romantic or. Um, you know, but it but it really is. It's it's. I think much like uh, our discussion of, of Imagine Dragons, it feels like the ultimate focus grouped, um, you know, construct as opposed to like someone actually sitting down and writing a song because they have an idea or a feeling. It's what's going to happen when AI starts writing songs. It is like it may be the first AI written song. <laughs> well, it's gonna yes. it's gonna have a tough match. Or, unless of course of the, that's Mr. Mr. Roboto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's gonna have a tough matchup against the King of the Turtleheads, Jimmy Buffett's Cheeseburger in Paradise. But uh, moving on, uh, the eight nine matchup, which is always a you know a toss up, a pick 'em when you hit the Vegas lines. Uh, number eight, Genesis's "I Can't Dance" versus Daniel Powder's "Bad Day." Yeah. The walk-off is, music this, for a number of years on American Idol. <laughs> this is uh, this is a tough one. Um, I can't dance, of course. Uh, seemingly stating the obvious um, for Phil Collins. Well, I'll, uh, I'll, I got to throw down on on I can't dance because this was I really championed this one, and it's it's what happens at the end of a career and particularly you know this is a very point in time a band who was big for multiple decades and remarkably like Steve Winwood ascended in the 80s um, but I can't dance is what happens when you're completely out of ideas 
Yeah. Um, when when you literally just put on the track on the Casio keyboard and, and come up <laughs> with the lyrics. And and the song and it's the it's the laziest rhyming, the worst lyric writing, and it has absolutely no meaning whatsoever. And I think if you even ask those guys, they would probably say the same thing. I mean, literally, the song is "I can't dance." I can't talk. The only thing about me is the way that I walk. God, that's genius. Wendell. Yeah. Wow. Did you come up with... Oh, wait. No, it's Genesis. I also feel like this was a song that they wanted to make a funny video and then came up with a song afterwards. And neither I think that it. happened more than once with these guys. I think... I mean, it really... Like, they were writing... They were reverse constructing or... or uh, or reverse engineering things. I mean, I remember they, they got a contract to do a beer commercial and, and wrote a song for that occasion as well. It was a really bad moment for Genesis, who, you know, due to Phil Collins's multiple solo albums, even their bad... Even, they were bankrupt of even bad ideas at this point. So it's just like, it was... It, was this a knockoff of Money for Nothing? No. I mean, it feels like it's it was following in those footsteps um, by a couple of years, and, like, it has that same kind of, like you know, crunchy guitar riff. It, it does. Uh, like, trying to be, you know, it ju- it just has, like, a sort of, anth- like, attempted anthem quality to it. It probably, ha- it prob- they probably used the tape at the end of the take of one of Mark Knopfler's, you know, uh, Money for Nothing sessions and just sort of, you know, wrote a, a really piece of crap song on the back of a napkin um, you know, before they all jetted off, and they're you know, I thought they were just improving the lyrics, like just literally coming up with it at the mic. Yeah, it's the only explanation for for such for such meaningless and you, slop. It's going up against the song that is distinct, distinguished, and in in American history as the as the song they play when you lose. <laughs> That's all I have to say about Daniel Powder's Bad Day. I know nothing more about it except it's the song they play when you lose. Yeah, Daniel Powder is uh, he's a handsome fellow. <laughs> um, seen... Anyway, oh, that... yeah. No, he looks like uh, like he died about 250 years ago. <laughs> he looks like he had the... a bad day 250 years ago. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. uh, the 512 matchup in the Midwest region here is uh, one of two bands we accidentally gave two <laughs> entries to. But I, I would no say if we put it to, twice, except for. We, <laughs> except for these two. Imagine Dragons and Nickelback both got multiple <laughs> entries. And, um, you know, if you're going to make a mistake, make, it, make a good mistake. Um, Imagine Dragons Believer versus Red Hot Chili Peppers Snow Parentheses. Can I just talk about Hey-o. the chili? peppers real quick and we can move Please. on um, but uh, you know uh, having come from being a fan of the Chili Peppers and, and when you were too back in the day and the, maybe even Christian you liked them too but um, you know they fell into that that kind of underground uh, punk and, and you know alternative scene back in the 80s and 90s Re- rebirth with new members after death and uh, you know and I, I think like you know their big hit album, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, it was kind of great. And then you actually heard what Anthony Kiedis was saying on the shit pile under the bridge, um, which probably would have made this list um, if it had been a one-off. But um, instead, we get the uh, the Snow Hey-O, which uh, is a song that not only is just like one of the dumbest fucking songs I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a song that just also I feel like I hear all the time. 
like in bars, uh, you know, just around. And uh, the, I don't know. I just I just had to throw that out there for a band that I, I once championed and uh, you know saw live multiple times in different iterations. Um, God, where did you go so wrong? And I, I feel I can tell you where they went wrong. It's when Anthony Kiedis started singing. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I meant. With Under the Bridge being kind of the first glimpse into like, yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> it's like, there's a reason I didn't understand anything you were chanting prior. All right. And I think Imagine Dragons, we all know and uh, hate. Yeah, it's a paragon of suck. Anyway, next one is a uh, uh, classic rock uh, staple, uh, staple classic rock radio. Um, versus a one-off from the YouTube generation. So a real uh, generational, uh, you know, boxing match here. Uh, Rebecca Black's Friday versus Bob Seger's Turn the Page. Yeah, that's a, uh, a Duke amount. Well, all right. The baby boomers versus <laughs> yeah. the babies. No, I know. This is, it's a sort of like, it's, it's the sound of like somebody who woke up and snorted a pixie stick versus the, the sound of somebody who's drank so much... <laughs> You know, Jack Daniels on the road that they're about to croak. So, uh, anyway, that goes with it. Next one, I just, I'm jumping ahead to the next one because the next one is just such a feast for uh, anybody with, uh, with any taste and any memory. It's Four Non Blondes' What's Up versus Limp Biscuits' Behind Blue Eyes. Yeah, so What's Up might have the most annoying single sound. Um, like, or like, you know, two seconds of, uh, like, just played on. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really, it's terrible. Um, and it's just, it's just the whiniest, like, uh, I, I, you know, um, sort of cascading um, complaint. Uh, yeah. And, I, and I, was it political? I have no idea. It looked it like was, a bunch but it of was kids so... that were taken out of, like, the Hanover Mall. Um <laughs> You know, dressed up in, in sort of like Spencer's uh, you know, top hats and, and dreadlock wigs. Yeah, like when when it was Cleveland steam what's going on? Like when when Marvin gasped what's going on? He actually it was kind of a rhetorical question, like which which lent it I think more um, credibility. Whereas like this actually might just be confusion. Yeah, like they might just not know <laughs> what's going on with this assembly of. <laughs> Rejects singing on my television. It's painful. Um, behind blue eyes, like this feels. This feels like. I mean, look. If I didn't know that that Limp Bizkit already had their own record label at this point, I would be. I would be concerned that um, you know this was imposed on them by by some executive. Uh, no, it was imposed know, on to us. Quote, right? To quote Wu Tang Clan, a mountain climber who plays electric guitar. Um, but. Uh, you know, I, I think, I think unfortunately, this was just the incredibly bad judgment of a guy who had, like, famously bad judgment, um, and even even within the context of like Limp Bizkit, I mean, it, it was funny going back to um, going back to that catalog because I think I, I you know I I was really diving deep on it and thinking like is Nookie qualified for, for this kind of thing or you know like and <laughs> say that sentence the, again <laughs> um, and like but but ultimately you know I, I have to say like most of Limp Bizkit is, is really well produced um, the songs aren't like 
awful. They're usually kind of stupid. The fact that I have to look at Fred Durst is probably the most painful part. Um, but, like, as new metal goes, there is worse shit out there. Trust oh, yeah. me. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the idea of rap rock, like, is just sucky and, like, not great. Um, but, you know, it, it isn't, like, the most offensive thing on the planet. Now, when that guy decides to, go like, go, yeah, go sensitive rock ballad, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? And choose like, one you, that already sucked and make it worse. Yeah, just, <laughs> just stay in your suck lane. Like, just, this is not for you. And don't ruin this, too. Keep your fucking grubby paws off this. Um, so, anyway, that's, I just, yeah, I find that pretty difficult. But, um, four non-blondes, Limp Biscuit. All right. Next one. Oh, I'm excited about this. Next one is, is a personal favorite of mine. Uh, James Taylor's Steamroller. And, again, the, please allow Steamroller to stand in for the rest of James Taylor's catalog. But Steamroller is a, is a particularly egregious piece of work, and that goes up against Joan Osborne's One of Us, which is actually a Prince song that she uh, um, took from his uh, vast catalog uh, and made that. Which I saw him do live, and yeah. he, uh, he really should have, she should really should have stayed away from it, because he did it quite well. Yeah, it kind of, like, it. I mean, it, I wouldn't say this was redeemed by any stretch, by, but, you know, having hearing Prince play it, it makes somehow the song less bad, even though it's, you know, in the wrong hands, it's terrible. Steamroller, on the other hand, what you said about, uh, you know, one week and we didn't start the fire, um, you know, in terms of its, its rap by, you know, this is what would have happened if pussies uh, invented the blues. <laughs> That's all I'm going to yeah. say. Mic drop. <laughs> Should we move on to our other repeat offender? Yes. Nickelback. Um, and again, Nickel- this, is a, this is another evolution of, of uh, just crap, I think, with Ugly Kids uh, Joe morphing into yeah. Nickelback. Nickelback's How You Remind Me versus Ugly Kids Joe. I hate every, Ugly Kid Joe's I Hate Everything About You, which, again, is one of those packages of video and song that makes my blood boil. Um, who it was. Were they, who were their fans? Like, well, it was right. A, it was right after. Yeah, it was. It was right after the demise of hair metal, and you could see that everybody ironed their perm out in this video, because <laughs> they would have been a hair metal band if if Nirvana hadn't you know hit plat triple platinum the week before. So basically, it's a hair metal band in like you know grunge clothing on a beach in Orange County. Um, and again, lazy, lazy, lazy lyric writing of, uh, but I can, I can tell that this wasn't the end of, of a, of a career like Genesis's I Can't Dance. This was the beginning of, this is the best they could do. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I think all but, they did do. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, they did, uh, shockingly, I mean, coming off the Limp Biscuit conversation, they actually hit a big hit. With the cover, with a cover of Harry Chapin's "Cats in the Cradle." Oh, that's right. Fuck, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, the irony so. is that when I first saw when I first saw this song on here, I was thinking, um, I, I, uh, uh, the the title, of course, is the, is identical to uh, sure. the Three Days Grace song. Um, I hate everything about you, which is also awful. Um, and I actually, I, I thought they were the same song, and maybe, uh, maybe I, I sort of missed the fact that Three Days Grace was really just 
was reviving um, uh, the the Ugly Kid Joe song, but no, they are completely separate songs with the same inventive <laughs> lyric uh, and title. I hate everything about you. Yeah, well, I I hate everything. I. About this song, this band, these people. <laughs> I mean, if there was ever a song that sounded like Sacramento, this is it. Um, the last matchup is a, is a matchup of, of real, legit classic rockers. I mean, two of the best-selling artists in the history of uh, the world. So, uh, if I could, if I could literally erase the entire memory of the Eagles. Just to get rid of this fucking song, I would. It's number two. One. The Eagles, Hotel <laughs> California versus Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder's uh, <laughs> uh, the song that cured racism, Ebony and Ivory. Um, Hotel California, or as I like to call it, Proto Smooth. Um, yeah, just the worst, like, again, slow, pointless, doesn't go anywhere, finally arrives at a winding, shitty... Guitar solo. Eight hour guitar solo. Um, oh, there's God. only one this bigger crime than sucking. Makes me want to throw my fucking computer out the window. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's sucking. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I said for how what like forever that I just I hate the Eagles and it's because of this song. I look, they've got a lot of stuff that I like. Um, in fact, uh, and I think they're a, a a good band, but it just it so confuses me but what really gets me is like is how diametrically opposed like their fans are to me on this issue like I would have thought that like given the other music that this band made that that their fans would like maybe have halfway decent you know taste but they don't and they love this song yeah Mm. it's like a focus group classic rock song Hotel California it's painful there's plenty and of room. The fact that Paul McCartney, you know, that, that during the uh, the heat up for the upcoming campaign hasn't been forced to apologize for this song is a crime in itself. Ebony and Ivory is just uh, embarrassing and painful. It's so bad. you got to go back and listen to it if you haven't. I'm talking more broadly to the listeners than I am to you guys because I know you had to suffer through it to do your research. But it really is, like, there were three... McCartney uh, duets in that period that where it just they sound like they were, you know, rudimentary songs that were played by third graders on a Casio. It's they're they're awful and the lyrical content is doubly embarrassing. It's it's really hard for me because I I couldn't love Paul McCartney anymore. But shame on you. All right. Anyway, we want to take, take a quick, quick break, break and get through the last region. Yeah. Lately I've been, I've been losing sleep Dreaming about the things that we could be But baby, I've been, I've been praying hard Said no more counting dollars, we'll be counting stars Yeah, we'll be counting stars Swinging vines, swing my heart across the line. In my face is flashing signs. Seek it out and ye shall find. Oh, 
being Sean Mullins uh, half talk to whispered half you know uh, catchy awful chorus lullaby and then uh, another Canadian entry thank you Canada for giving us so much <laughs> so much love on this list I, it did occur to me a few minutes ago how many of these artists are Canadian <laughs> like it's really pretty shocking uh, the crash test dummies mm, mm, mm. and uh, <laughs> not to be confused with Hanson's Bob. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, just two, two, you know, I, I, two songs that again, like I can't believe were uh, hits. Lullaby still, uh, you know, creeps up, and I, and I have a feeling we'll, we'll go far. But just to give mm, its credit, you know, uh, it does have a lyric like "Once there was a girl who went into the washroom," which I don't <laughs> think it'd be <laughs> any more Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> it was sung in a baritone. The video is absolutely just painful. It's and great. This song was a fucking hit. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, I it was. It. Um, I, I have to say, I, like in the wet toot Grand Prix, Jerry. I think these two would be like in your final four. Oh, absolutely. So next, I we can have still a, picture Sean Mullen's face on my TV oh screen. God. Um, <laughs> Everything's gonna be okay. Um, and then we've got a uh, Fallout Boy. Speaking of pretty faces, uh, and uh, in Bush's Glycerine, which is a song I think Wyndham and I hate way more than than probably Christian and, and our producer Damien. But um, two, you know, just to me, just uh, like poser, crappy bands that uh, that that managed to you know fart out hits. I believe Damien once uh, told us a story where he played this at a piano recital, Glycerine. Yeah, I think he did. <laughs> no house. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate Fall Out Boy. I hate everything about Fall Out Boy. I hate looking at their stupid faces. And uh, the song was, um, again, like Imagine Dragons. And I think this really was the song that made Imagine Dragons. Um, it's, uh, or it's, yeah, I can't tell which one came chronologically first. But whatever it was inspired the other one to do whichever. It's uh, it's it's an Imagine Dragons song um, played by Fallout Boy, and it was one you know it just it's it was just tailor made for jock jams. Like somebody was like, it's a hey. terrible violator of that like m- sort of maximalist like big everything sounding pop song. Yeah, we want right. Muse but bigger. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it sucks. And glycerine is a is a terrible song. Another song where I would say, "Where is the song in the song?" Right. And I would also, also point out the that the Fallout Boy copycatism I hate on that song so much. Yeah, yeah. Gavin Rossdale is a twat. Um, he is but, handsome, uh, however. Uh, sure. Yeah, it actually it, it 
it negatively impacted my opinion of Gwen Stefani by association. Um, but uh, I, I have to say, um, Fall Out Boy's video for this, I believe, also is set in ancient Rome. I don't know if you guys knew that. I, I stopped. I definitely was not watching videos when this song came out. And, uh, no, I, no, I, I've got to see it, it though now. Me. And I do remember so two ever, young boys doing a rendition of this at my uh, daughter's school's um, talent show, and I, I may have thrown something at the stage just saying. <laughs> Did you boo? I hope. <laughs> yeah. Get off the <laughs> stage. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> All right. Um, Right. Jeremy next was holding up a got... lighter and they were like, yeah, no, you know what? He's like, no, I'm actually just trying to set off the sprinkler. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to suffocate in this house fire. Um, all right. Nine Days, absolutely the story of a girl. Um, and number 12, Baja Men, Who Let the Dogs Out? Yeah. One of the world's most annoying songs in history. Um, so, okay, the joke is that we need more cowbell, but we actually don't. Um, and uh, that's all I have to say about who let the dogs out. Yeah, who let the dogs out kind of became funny, before, you know, to me uh, pretty early on, just because people would yell at it really in opportune moments. Um, and so it was uh, more of a punchline than a song. I don't think I've heard the song more than like three times, but um, I've heard it yelled in in places that it, it shouldn't have been, which is pretty funny. Um, absolutely, the story of a girl is fucking horrible. So yeah, um, yeah, the really title is. says it all. <laughs> And another one of those songs where the vocals just come, you know, hurtling at you, piercing um, the sort of comfortable veil of silence uh, that you had. And, you know, the first thing you hear is just this whiny fucking voice, um, you know, leading off with, uh, with that lyric that this is the story of a girl. The other thing that bothers me is with songs like this, um, you know that they were singles exclusively made for, like, radio success and... Um, like listeners who weren't really paying attention because they have to put the like the the lyric that you recognize in parentheses next to the actual name of the song. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the songwriter was like it's called absolutely. And you know his like uh, his RNA, you know like um A&R was like oh uh, actually we think that your fans are going to know which song it is better when they buy this CD at Best Buy if you put the um, lyric that they recognize on the back of it's the, the, it's the same the the it's, it's basically the same um, you know the, the same uh, logic that, that hackney bullshit yeah that but that you know uh, you know only people over a hundred liked everybody loves Raymond which meant that no no none of them could remember the title of it so they'd be like oh I like that Raymond and this would be <laughs> like I'll play the story of the girl song you know yeah yeah. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Next up, um, we've next up. Starship, we built this city, and uh, I think another guy that we can just, you know, take this song and, and put his entire solo catalog into Sting's Englishman in New York. Um, yeah. I mean, we built, this, we built this city really bears mentioning just because it is the default... Um, you know, worst song of all time. Everybody just sort of lands there if they're not really thinking that creatively, much the same as, you know, what's your least favorite word? Oh, moist. Or, you know, and people say these things as if they are original thoughts. Uh, we Built the City's a really fucking horrible song, but 
I think it's been 35 years since it came out, and that's really, I mean, it's really the uh, inspiration for doing uh, this competition this year was that I think We Built the City needs to be unseated and um, reevaluated. Yeah, we uh, found the man to do it. Yeah, I, you know, at the same time, I think um, it, it also bears mention that, like, it's pretty rare that you get such universal um, agreement when, like, that something is the shittiest song ever. Um, I mean, for, for everyone to have heard that song basically for the first time at one point and just been like, wow, that might be the shittiest song ever made. Yeah. And, like, it's just, and that's been everybody's feeling about it since day one. Like, that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, long, if long if you laughing. told if you told me to if you told me to sit down and write the worst song of all time, I think I would really struggle. Um, I, I, like, I in, in its own way, it was captivating. Like, it, it is unique in its ability to to pull people together to to mend fences. Uh, um, it, you know, to among, uni- among unifiers. You're gonna start singing "We Are the World." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, no, I mean, it's such an inspirational message. It's that we built. I mean. We built the city on rock and roll. With them. And, uh, that is just the <laughs> dumbest idea. And then Jared burned it down and died in the house fire. Yeah. <laughs> I, I sacrificed myself to die with that song. Um, Englishmen in New York is, you know, I, I hate staying with a passion. And uh, I just got to say, like, there's nothing worse than me than his, like, solo world music bent. And, uh, and, you know, I think the song in general just kind of encompasses all of that horribleness. You know, his like reggae, his like you know Winton Marcellus on sax, just all of that garbage. Is this is this the one where the guy like yodels in the middle of it? No, that's another shitty sting song. But uh, this one is the uh, I'm an alien. I'm an alien. Yeah, no, it's all right. I remember. I just couldn't remember when whether this was the one that broke and the guy was like. Oh. No, that was the one. That was the one where he was on a Jaguar commercial and launched his single on a Jaguar commercial because he's uh, he's a pretty spiritual guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, we've got number six, Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson's "The Girl Is Mine," and number eleven, Blues Travelers. But anyway, God, I hate that song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Paul McCartney's got a couple. Is this his only inch? Yeah. No. No, he's got a couple, but they're two with two different people. So right, right, right. They okay, officially, so you know, he. But my God, he was on a fucking. He was on a bad streak. I mean, he was on yeah. a highway to hell right there. Um, drag people. He dragged great artists down with him. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I love Stevie. I love Michael Jackson. I love Paul McCartney. Some somewhere in that, you know. Tossing of that salad, uh, something went <laughs> rank and bad. Um, yeah, and, Blues, and Traveler. Blues Traveler sort of speaks for itself. I think uh, we'll have plenty of time to to talk about them. Although, you know, it, it is also so Blues Traveler launched so many imitators that it's which is really horrible as well. Um, it's it's difficult to uh, uh, to imagine why anybody would look at those guys and say, "Man, I want to make a song like they did." Didn't they play one of your high school dances, Jared? Uh, no, but I did, um, see them very early on since they're from New Jersey in, in a gymnasium, so yeah. And that, that's a, a funny story that we may go into as we, uh, if they, as we advance, the next, yeah. as they advance, so it's, I hate that. The next one, number three's Deep Blue Something, Breakfast at Tiffany's, I know is one of your most hated songs, Wyndham. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. Uh, because uh, the, the lyrics are just so... 
they hurt me as a as a human. They don't they don't make sense, and they're like so perfectly hooky that they get stuck in your head forever. Mm-hmm. Um, Versus a, a lion that I and she said that I remember the film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah. I think I remember um, the film. I think I remember the film. Excuse me. Um, yeah, so uh, an absolute utter travesty. Um, and then Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On, one of the biggest hits ever. And if you spend as much time as I have in Asian hotel lobbies, um, <laughs> you will hate this song so much. It is like... You're like, like the there's nothing craft of... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, of, uh, of, our, of our bracket, yeah. No, but it, it's like Celine Dion is so beloved in... in East Asia, because it like it really does like it's that kind of sappy pop balladry that that is just wildly popular. And built for um, karaoke. So, yeah, exactly. Um, Showing your skills. And uh, so she is just it's it's like it's just bored a hole into my my mind, and I you know I, I'm still uh, still hearing that thing. Um, and what's worse is like I also hate tracks that have. Uh, um, movie scenes like grafted onto them mm. um so it just there's something really obnoxious about that to me um so the fact that like it actually has the don't let go jack or like um you know it, it, like written into the uh oh yeah like, there was a there was a uh, release of a tr- there was the one of the tracks and it was on the radio too it had actual yeah. dialogue from the movie in it no yeah it's which is awful <laughs> like that should never ever ever happen um, uh, so another next Canadian, up, I'm just going to point that out. Sorry, ooh, Canadian yeah. fans, but <laughs> yeah, um, representing. Yeah, no, we're doing him a favor. Yeah, we are. Um, and uh, next up is number seven, a, a personal like, a really one that I can't stand. Fun, we are young. Um, and uh, number ten, something I had not heard until this tournament, but but really is awful. Yeah. Dan Fogelberg, leader of the band. Yeah, I appreciate that that made your list, even though you'd never heard it before, because it's plagued me forever. It's trash, utter trash. Yeah. Um, when we're um, offline, I'll tell you. I'll tell fun, you my and leader of the band is absolute garbage. And they also have punctuation in their name. Right. Yes. Yeah, which is really annoying unless you're chick, chick, chick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, let's just agree. Leave that shit out. Nobody wants it. Um, next up, you know, so number two, Train's Soul Sister, was tough for me because the, their song that I actually hate more is Drops of Jupiter. I'm um, with you. I hate uh, uh, their Virginia song more. Yeah, I, I, wait, I hate all their songs. <laughs> Yes, uh, that's true. Well, and and the fact that they released a very faithful um, rendition of Led Zeppelin II like three years ago, um, which I actually made myself listen to and was like, okay, I get it. They're good musicians. Like, they can hang. Um, But why would you do this? Like, Like, why would you just very straightforwardly cover adding nothing because you have nothing to add? You have no personality um, or... Uh, unique qualities that you could share with the world. Um, you're just, you're literally, you're like the house band trying to play Led Zeppelin. Um, that sucked. Uh, but, you know, I think when you when you really do get a window into the soul of this band, um, you realize it's, it's empty. there's nothing there. <laughs> yeah, treating <laughs> yeah, exactly. like the real housewives of OC or, um, <laughs> you know, like just, it's, they're like Phoenix, Arizona. 
<laughs> they're basically like just a face the city, lift, not the band. Breast implants and a uh, and a latte. They're yeah. like the uh, they're like the absolute like over fifty. Um, I, 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 I feel wear like they clothes like I'm a 28 year old band. Like yes. they're just so painful to me. All yeah, and I feel like they've had I feel like they've had a song on every single uh, on every single like volume of you know Starbucks like Sound of the Coffee House album. Absolutely. Um, yeah. That you can buy at the cash. They're played in, in yeah. all Mercedes convertibles. <laughs> yeah, yes. if, they, if you have a white car, this, the train is playing. <laughs> um, and uh, finally, number 15, Black Eyed Peas. My humps, my humps, yeah. my lovely lady lumps. It's Talking bad. About the, uh, yeah, the studio exec creation of, of hip-hop, My Black Eyed Peas Talk is, about is, is there, yeah. and My Humps is by far their worst track. The fact that they added Fergie late, too, is just, it's painful. Yeah, it really is. It'll be interesting to see who uh, who proceeds. Well, with that, guys, thanks for doing the bracket preview on Selection Thursday. Yeah, um, I, I only wish <laughs> that we could we could count them down with everybody, but we will be back with a Sweet Sixteen, having whittled down some of these and said goodbye to some real fucking stinkers. <laughs> All right, talk to you guys next week. Thanks so much. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother 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 podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>